Thank you very much. It's so exciting to, to be back home. As uh, Cheryl mentioned, uh, we are over at Summit, and we are loving every minute over there. Um, and I'm going to do a shout-out to my friends online from Summit um, that we are just uh, having a great time over there, but it's always good to come back home as well. And, and today, as we are doing the um, series of A Pastor's Heart, I wanted to share a little bit about myself. Before I share my heart with you, I thought I would share just a little bit about who I am so that you could get to know me just a little bit better. First of all, I'm proud to say that I am God's girl. Isn't that a great thing for a pastor to say? I'm proud to be God's girl. And I'm also proud to say that I am a Nazarene through and through. I've grown up in the Nazarene church my whole life. My heritage is rich in the church of the Nazarene. And I am blessed with incredible examples of knowing what a pastor's heart looks like. My daddy is a pastor, and this morning, he is about an hour down the road in Springfield, Illinois, and he is standing in his, um, front of his congregation. He is 78 years old and still preaching the gospel and loving on his people there. He had an incredible role model in his daddy, who was a pastor, and his daddy had incredible role models in their mother and daddy, who were both Nazarene pastors. My great-grandma Burton, she was described as a spitfire. Can you imagine that? She was a spitfire, and her passion was preaching the gospel and planting churches, and she was good at it. All of them worked beyond their retirement years, furthering the kingdom. Because when you have a heart of a pastor, that doesn't change when you reach a certain age. I remember when my grandparents moved to the retirement homes, Urbana Gardens is what it was called, and Grandpa had stopped driving, and he was fretting a little bit because he didn't know what he was going to do for church on Sunday morning. So he decided that there was an empty activity room on Sunday mornings, and he was going to start church right there. And he did. And grandma was his faithful sidekick that she had been for many years. And she played the piano and led music. And every Sunday morning in, in Urbana Gardens, they had church. Then in their 90s, they moved to a nursing home. And grandma became bedridden, but not grandpa. See, grandpa would grab his Bible and his boom box. Now, it wasn't the big boom box of the 80s on your shoulder. It was smaller. It was about like this. And he grabbed that boombox and he'd put in some Gaither tapes or some, some gospel hymns and he'd grab his Bible and he, he would just kind of shuffle from room to room and see if they wanted to hear about Jesus that day and hear the good news. And any chance he would get, he would pray with those people at the nursing home. I remember his funeral. There was a group of girls, about six or seven girls that, that walked into the church and they sat kind of towards the front and they filled up the entire pew. They were all wearing scrubs. They were there because afterwards they kind of uh, told us that, that Reverend Burton took time with them every time they would come in and treated them so nicely. He would share the gospel with them and he would even pray with them on those days that they needed prayer. A couple of those girls said they rededicated their life or dedicated their lives for the very first time because Reverend Burton was Jesus in the flesh to them. 
till their dying day. See, their bodies and their hearts, or their bodies were weak, but their hearts for Jesus and sharing the good news remained strong and determined. They were faithful, literally, till their dying days. That's what faith in Jesus, that strong faith and that heritage in him. My mom's side of the family, they have an equally amazing heritage as they are a generation after generation of incredible lay people that are so crucial to the life and the dynamics of every church. So why do I tell you that this morning? Well, first of all, it's who I am. That's part of my DNA. But it also helps me. See, it helps me when I'm tired and weary. It helps me when I feel like God isn't working as fast as I would like for him to work. It helps me when I wonder if I'm even making a difference in his kingdom. See, all of those experiences, all of those times as a child and as an adult, watching these adults being Jesus in the flesh molded me into who I was and who I am. I knew who Jesus was because I had a front row seat of seeing him in action in the people in my life. As a child, there was no doubt in my mind who Jesus was and that he loved me. And as an adult, when I started going through difficulties that life threw at me, and when my faith seemed to get tested more and more, I had a solid faith foundation. Even as I was struggling with God, what God was doing or how he was doing it. And it was those times that I had to really examine, was it my faith or was it the faith of my father's? See, the heritage that I had was invaluable, but there came a time when I had, declare, I had to declare that faith that I knew so much about here, I had to declare it here in my own heart. So when the going got tough, was my faith, my personal faith, was it enough? Even though I am grateful for what I had, my family's faith wasn't going to get me into heaven. It was my faith that was going to do that. See, every generation must respond to God for themselves. You can't inherit salvation. As Christians, we know that faith is the foundation in our relationship with God. And throughout the Bible, we see that theme over and over again. But where we find the most about faith and faith in action is in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. If you brought your Bibles with you, I'm going to give you a few seconds to get to it. Hebrews is in the New Testament. It's about maybe three-fourths back. Hebrews chapter 11, in this chapter, it uses the word faith 24 times. 
It has earned the nickname of Faith's Hall of Fame. This chapter, it begins with the explanation of faith, and then it shows us the nature of faith and the necessity of faith, and it gives us great examples of faith and the faithful. Those who were what, and what they did and, and how they endured and, and what they received because of their faith. I love this passage because it illustrates to us how God has been faithful in the past. So let's read it. We're going to start Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start with, with verse 1 through 3 here. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Okay, so right here at the start, the author is telling us exactly what faith is. He used two words here that sticks out to us and describes faith. He uses the word confidence and assurance. See, faith simply means believing that something is true and then committing our lives to it. So if we were to look at the biblical definition of faith, it would be believing in God and in Christ and what he has done for our salvation, and then we commit ourselves to him. That's what living a life of faith is all about. So see, as Christians, we believe in God's character. We are confident he is who he says he is. And we believe in his promises. We are assured that he will do what he says he will do. So when we believe in God, we fulfill his promise. We believe that God will fulfill his promises even though we don't see those promises. If we have faith in that, we are demonstrating what true faith is all about. And then in verse three, it says, God called the universe into existence out of nothing. He declared that it was to be, and it was. See, our faith is in the God who created the entire universe by his words. His words are powerful. And as Christians, we get to tap into that power. That's pretty amazing if you think about that. And let's look down at chapter 6. I'm sorry, verse 6 in chapter 11. Here's what it says. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, we need to believe that he is, believe who he is. If we are going to be a Christ follower, we have to be, have faith in who he is, that he is and, and his, that faith pleases God and he rewards us with his presence. That, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. 
And then I love this next part here. The author starts listing all of these people who have gone before us, who were faithful. He gives us a picture of that, an illustration. I'm one of those girls that when I go to the restaurant and the, and the menu is all words, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to get. But when there's pictures, woo I want to get that and I want to get that. I see the pictures. I see what it looks like. I love that. That's what I need from God. And, and he gives us time and time again illustrations here in the Bible of who these pe people are. And it gives us a picture of the faithful. It says, by faith, Abel brought a sacrifice to God that was the best of the best. While his brother Cain brought a measly sacrifice. See, one had faith and believed that God was worthy of an incredible sacrifice and the other didn't. By faith, Enoch walked with God despite the wickedness of the world around him. By faith, Noah believed what God said about the impending flood and built a boat 120 years before he saw one drop of rain. Faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when God said it was time to leave his home even though he didn't even know where he was going. And by faith, Sarah considered God faithful. He had promised her a son, even though she was barren and too old to conceive. And he was faithful and he gave her a son. Faith in God. Verses 13 through 16 says this. All these people who were still living by faith when they died, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. See, these people of faith died without receiving all that God has promised. Some of those promises they're talking about here is the promised land. It's the promise of a redeemer, of someone, Jesus Christ, who wasn't even born yet, someone who would come and save them from their sins so that they can live in eternity with God. And then it says that they never lost vision of heaven, a better country, a heavenly one. Do you ever feel like you don't belong here? That you're homesick for a home that you've never been to? You know why that is? Because this isn't our home. This isn't the final destination. This isn't what we were made for here on earth. We're longing for a place called heaven that we can live in eternity with Jesus. We should feel uncomfortable here. Many Christians become frustrated and feel defeated because their needs and their wants and their expectations and demands are not immediately met when they believe in Christ. That's not the deal. 
They become impatient and they want to quit. Don't get discouraged because of the achievement of your goals seems far away. Take courage from these heroes of the faith who lived and who died without seeing the fruit of their faith on earth. And yet they continued to believe. People like Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Now, wait a minute. The same son that he promised Sarah, and it happened, and now God's saying, well, I need him back, Abraham. So by faith, God tested him, asking him to offer up Isaac, and Abraham was willing to give up his son when God commanded him to do so. <laughs> but God didn't let Abraham take Isaac's life. Instead, instead of taking Isaac's life, God gave Abraham a whole nation of descendants through Isaac. It's said that Abraham has more descendants than stars in the sky and sand on the seashore because he was faithful to God. And then it gets really good here because then Isaac by faith, Isaac spoke future blessings on his sons, Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob had hope in God's promises. Just because he didn't see the promised land in his lifetime didn't mean he concluded that it didn't exist. By faith, Joseph also lived his whole life without seeing the promised land and was confident still in God's promises. And he gave orders for his bones to be moved to that land one day because he knew everyone else was going to be there and he wanted to be there too. By faith, Moses' parents put him in a basket and put him in the river to protect his life against orders of the Pharaoh. You think those parents didn't have faith? By faith, Moses chose to be with God's outcast people rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of this world, the fleeting pleasures of the palace. And by faith, he left Egypt, trusting God over Pharaoh and led his people out. By faith, the Israelite people, they fled Egypt and against all laws of physics, the Red Sea just split open and they walked right down the middle of it in dry land. And by faith, the walls of Jericho finally fell as the Israelites saw with their own eyes the promised land and the kept promises of God. See, some of their faith became sight here. By faith. By faith, others were given victory in battles and they saw loved ones raised back to life. Then the story kind of switches here for a minute. Because then the Bible tells us some were tortured because their release was dependent on renouncing that faith. Some were stoned or killed by the sword. They were mistreated and afflicted. 
but they all understood that God was bigger than any circumstance and he was worthy of their faith no matter what they received, whether they received blessing or curse. See, living by faith is, is really a simple concept that requires massive commitment. It requires massive commitment in our lives. A life of faith isn't lived intermittently, but constantly. And constantly here doesn't mean perfectly. Sometimes people get that mixed up. See, these faith hall of famers that are listed here in the Bible had plenty of mess ups in their stories but their faith remained constant still. One of the things I, I love about this chapter is that there are no failures mentioned here. Did these saints fail? Absolutely. But is it listed in this chapter? No, if we look back just one chapter in chapter 10, verse 17, it says this, God says their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a time when your faith is remembered but your failures are forgotten? Lord, do you remember that time I messed up? No, I don't. But God, you must remember the time I turned my back on you. No, Greta, I, I really don't. Wow. See, our faith has been forgotten if we ask him, or our sins have been forgotten if we ask him for forgiveness. Could he keep records of all of those wrongs? Yes. Does he? No. Not if we ask him to forgive him. And some people think, how in the world does he do that? He's God. We can't understand that. Can we forget all of the wrongs against us? I can try. But God can do whatever he wants and he chooses to forget. Living a life of faith is a tall order. It requires the power and presence of God in your life, no matter how faith-filled or faithless you're currently feeling. Be assured that faith comes not from those who try hard, but those who lean hard on God. So I want us to take a look of, at this list of, of ancestors that he's, that he's listed here. And then I want us to think about maybe the generations in our own families. Those who have gone before you. Those who are coming after you. Where do you fit in? If you were to make your family's hall of faith, what would it look like? Maybe you're the very first one. Maybe you're the one on the top of the list and you're changing the trajectory of your family tree for eternity. Maybe you're at the bottom of the list and you realize that every generation must respond to God for themselves, that you can't inherit salvation because if you could, you would. You'd give it to your kids and grandkids, wouldn't you? But you're praying desperately for those that are coming behind you, for those children and those grandchildren. 
Maybe you're not even on your family's list. Maybe you were at one time, or maybe you've never been, and you realize that you have to make that eternal decision. Wherever you are, whatever that looks like for you, don't give up. Use these heroes of the faith as examples of God's faithfulness to you. Even if you never see with your earthly eyes, the fruit of your faith. I love examples. I love pictures. And, and I also, I don't think I put that in there, but before um, I became a pastor, I was a teacher. And you know what teachers like to do? Give homework. And so today I'm going to give you just a little bit of homework. I'm so, no, I'm not sorry. Because here's what I want you to do. I want you to read this verse, Hebrews chapter 11 this week, and I want you to study it. And then I want you to get a piece of paper and pen out or computer, however you make your list. And I want you to think about your family's hall of faith. What does that look like? Where are you on that I'm going to give you an example. This is just some of my family's Hall of, uh, Hall of Faith people. But here it goes. By faith, Joseph Gonzalez traveled to a better land for a better life for his family. By faith, George Homer Burton heeded the call of God to preach the gospel. By faith, Mamie Burton not only preached and planted churches, but she raised three boys that would one day be preachers as well. By faith, Raymond Burke Burton dedicated his life and his family to God. By faith, Aline Burton... I'm going to stop right there. Aline was my grandma, my daddy's mom. She was a preacher's wife. And at the time, she was a mama of three little ones, and one that was probably about two or three months old. And Sunday morning, she got up and she got all those kids ready for church and breakfast and all that good stuff. She got to church early because they opened it up, turned on the heat, whatever they needed to do. She taught Sunday school that day. She played the piano during the worship service. I'm not sure what they did after church, but if it was like any other Sunday, they either had someone over to their house for dinner or they went to someone's house for dinner. Then they had choir practice before church. And then they had night church. And afterwards, they had a get-together. We later called them afterglows. I don't know what they called them then, but it was a fellowship. You know those Sundays. You go home and you're just tired. It was good, but you're tired. And that mama took her littles and put them to bed and, and she took baby June and, and made baby June's bottle and put her in the bassinet and took a blanket and rolled it up and then she put that bottle in baby June's mouth. And then grandma went to bed, she was so tired. She woke up Monday morning early, but realized that she had slept the entire night and then just as quickly realized that means baby June had slept the entire night. And if you're a parent, you know that fear when you realize that baby slept all the way through. And so she got up and she went to check on baby June and sure enough, baby June had passed. They think she choked on the milk on the bottle that she had propped up. And right then, Aline made a choice. She could have said, are you kidding me, God? I'm giving you my entire life. I am working through exhaustion to serve you, and you take my baby girl. I don't want to have 
anymore, God. I can't believe you would treat me like that. But her faith was solid. Her foundation was there. So when those incredibly horrible circumstances happened, she knew where she stood. And she kept her faith and believing in God. And I'm sure that there was time after time that she had to choose that faith. I probably wouldn't be standing here today if she would have chosen to say, that's it, God, I'm done. See, because it was her faith, the list continues. Because of her faith, Bill Burton stopped running from the ministry and started running to God and to ministry. By faith, Greta Burton had to decide for herself that it's my faith, not the faith of my parents. By faith, or by that time, Britt Nash, probably around the same time, had to make that decision for himself. By faith, my children, Hannah and Grayson, have to make the decision on their own. Just a few months back, my niece and her husband have both decided to start school to go to be ministers of the gospel. That's five generations in this family if you're counting. My grandparents had no idea the fruit of their faith. And can you imagine when you get to heaven and you hear the words, Grandma, Grandpa, I made it. Because of our faith. I can't even imagine. What if Hannah's grandchildren ran up to me and said, Grandma, I never even met her. But there she is. It's so important to keep the faith no matter the circumstances that come your way. Your faith and the faith of those who come behind you. In just a minute, we're going to pray. Before we do that, I want us to take out our card here. On this card, there's a few things that you can mark. One says, I declare faith in God as my own and am committed to live for him. If that's you, mark it. I am confident in who God is and assured he will do what he says. If you're confident and assured, mark it. The next one says, I need more faith in my life. We all need more faith, don't we? And then the last one says, I'd like to speak with a pastor about my faith journey. If you mark that, a pastor will get a hold of you. At the bottom are prayer requests. Maybe you want to list some of those people that are going after you that aren't on your faith list yet. And you want to pray for them. Let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your faithfulness to us. God, I'm so grateful that you sent your son to die on the cross to forgive us of our sins. And Lord, I believe that 100%. And Lord, as we look at this, this um, family faith journey, hall of faith, Lord, some of the people in this room today might be at the very top of the list. What an incredible privilege. What an incredible honor that is to be the first one at the top of the list. Encourage them, Lord, to keep going. 
Lord, maybe there's people in this room that they're kind of stuck in the middle of that list and, and they've had a great heritage behind them and a great heritage before them. And they're thankful for what they have. God, remind them to continue to be faithful in that. And Lord, maybe there's someone here today that's at the bottom of the list, that their heart is breaking for their children and their grandchildren, that they so desperately want them to know you. God, encourage them. Remind them that they might never see the fruit of their prayers, but you are faithful. And encourage them to continue praying for those. And then maybe there's someone in this room or online, Lord, that, that isn't even on the list. Maybe they were at one time and now they're not. God, would you remind them how easy it is <laughs> to believe in you, to give their life to you. Lord, all they have to do is believe you are who you said you are. They have to believe that Jesus Christ died for their sins and will forgive them of their sins. And then all they have to do is ask for them to be forgiven. And you do it. And then they just commit their lives to you. You make it so easy for us to be part of your family. And we're thankful for that. So Lord, today, I, as they are um, studying this, this book this week, Lord, would you, would you help them? Would you stretch their faith? God, sometimes when we ask for that, we don't know what we're asking. Sometimes it hurts when you stretch us. But the end of that, we're stronger because of that. So God, I pray this week that, that each one of us would pray as the disciples prayed, Lord, to increase our faith. Increase it in you, Lord, so that we can share it with others. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we believe and have faith in you. In your precious name, amen and amen.